the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Chapter 7 of Revelation. It's not just the 144,000, but a number no man can count, as we'll see today on Abounding Grace with our teacher and pastor, Gary Wagner. Join us. It's been a fascinating journey so far here in Revelation, and today we're back in chapter 7, looking at not just the 144,000, but a multitude no man can count, and their role in what we see here in chapter 7 as these thousands and thousands worship God. With an encouraging look at chapter 7 of Revelation, here's Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose with today's broadcast of Abounding Grace. When you read the book of Revelation, you can see that there is this one special angel that stands out who represents the Lord Jesus Christ. Look, for instance, in the 10th chapter, verse 1. It says, I saw another strong angel coming down out of heaven, clothed with a cloud, and a rainbow was upon his head, and his face was like the sun, and his feet like pillars of fire, which should remind you of the description of Jesus in the first chapter of Revelation. So this angel of the rising sun is none other than the Savior and the sealer of his people. The seal is in his hand. He is the one who renders them safe. And notice what it says about him in verse 2. This can only be Christ. And I saw another angel ascending from the rising sun, having the seal of the living God. And he cried out with a loud voice to the four angels. In other words, he was in control. He was sovereign over these angels. Verse 3, he told them. Do not harm anything until we have sealed the bondservants. So the Lord Jesus Christ alone is the commander of these angels. And this is the description of no other but Christ. So divine justice is held back on Jerusalem. And Jesus will not bring his justice to bear upon the city until all of his people are safe. Now, in verse 4, we see that there are 144,000 of them that will be sealed. And I heard the number of those who were sealed, 144,000 from every tribe of the sons of Israel. And then in verses 5 through 8, it says 12,000 from this tribe, 12,000 from that tribe, etc. So to whom does the 144,000 refer? Now, we've got to be consistent with our principle of hermeneutic here. We don't all of a sudden try to figure out how this is going to be taken literally. 
because we learned in the first verse of the first chapter that it is written in symbols and figures of speech. So we have got to figure out now what this figure of speech, 144,000, has reference to, because remember, they are the only ones who will survive the fall of Jerusalem. They are the only ones who are rendered inaccessible to evil by the Lord Jesus Christ. They are the ones who are protected by him. No one else is sealed. And the ones not sealed will not survive. No one else will escape the judgment that God pours out upon apostate Israel except the 144,000. So who are these 144,000? Well, they are not ethnic Israel. These 144,000 people are not ethnic, religious, racial Israelites. Because listen, that would bring into the Bible an element of racism that Romans and Galatians both condemn. God does not save anyone because of his or her race. And these are not to be defined or described racially or ethnically. Because the element of racism is excluded from the gospel, beloved. This 144,000 then must represent the complete number of all of God's redeemed people. They are the only ones who are saved. They are the only ones who are protected when God's judgment falls. Now, how do we know that the 144,000 people represent the church particularly in the first century. And as we are going to see, the church in every age. Well, the church, as we have seen so many times, is throughout the New Testament and in the book of Revelation described as the new Israel of God. The old Israel of God, because it abandoned its Messiah, was abandoned by God in Christ. It was abandoned by God and He opened the doors of the gospel to the Gentiles. So the new Israel throughout the New Testament is viewed as the true Israel of God, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. For instance, turn to Revelation chapter 2, verse 9. Revelation chapter 2, verse 9. It says, I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich. And the blasphemy of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. So there are counterfeit Jews and there are true Jews. Now, what is a true Jew? A true Jew, according to Romans 2, is someone who is circumcised inwardly. In the last verses of Romans 2, it says, a Jew is not someone who has been physically circumcised, but he is someone who has been circumcised inwardly. He has received the new birth by the Holy Spirit, and they are the true Jews. The false Jews are the ones who have all of the right rituals but they have not given their hearts to the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at verse 17 of chapter 2. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. 
To him who overcomes, to him I will give some of the hidden manna, and I will give him a white stone and a new name written on the stone, which no one knows but he who receives it. In the Old Testament, these were things that were done to Israel. Now they are done to the church of Pergamon. So what in the Old Testament was done to Israel is in the New Testament applied to the church. Look at chapter 3, verse 9. Behold, I will cause those of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews but are not, because they all had, all they had were the physical rituals. They didn't have a change of heart. Look at verse 12. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he will not go out from it anymore, and I will write upon him the name of my God and the name of my city, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God and my new name. So all of those titles of Israel in the Old Testament are now given to the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Then in Galatians 3.29, we read that if you belong to Jesus by faith, then you are Abraham's children and heirs of the promise regardless of ethnic origin. Whether you are a Jew or whether you are a Gentile, it does not matter if you belong to Christ through faith. Then in Hebrews chapter 12, it says to Christians, you have come through faith to the new Jerusalem, not to the old Jerusalem that represented apostate Judaism, but to the new Jerusalem. So you have illustration after illustration in the New Testament where the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is said to be the new Israel of God or the new covenant people of God. And that was also prophesied in the Old Testament. The Old Testament prophesied a day under the Messiah when the covenant people of God would no longer be marked by Jew or Gentile. Uh, They would no longer be distinguished racially. For instance, in Isaiah 56, verses 6 through 7, a messianic prophecy. And we read this. Also the foreigners, that is the non-Jews, who join themselves to the Lord to minister to him and to love the name of the Lord, to be his servants, everyone who keeps from profaning the Sabbath and holds fast my covenant, even those I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. So here in Old Testament language, you have a prophecy that someday there are going to be foreigners, non-Jews, as well as Jews. There's no distinction between them in the house of God. And that is what Paul said in Ephesians 2. For Christ is our peace who made both groups, Jews and Gentiles, into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall, that in himself he might make the two into one man, thus establishing peace. Now, I have often talked about the problems of dispensationalism that divides the people, the Bible, up into seven eras and talks about the rapture and all of those types of things. And its basic assumption is that there continues to be a distinction between Jews and Gentiles today. That is the basic distinction of dispensationalism. 
that today there is a difference between Jews and Gentiles. Whereas the Bible says in these passages we have addressed that that wall is gone that divided Jews and Gentiles. And now in the church there's no distinction whatever between the two groups. Now, we have the new Israel of God, whether Jew or Gentile, who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and then we have everyone else that live in rebellion against God. Those are the only two types of people in the world. So whenever the New Testament talks about Israel or the people of God, you can pretty much be sure that it's talking about the church. Now, also, the number 12 in the seventh chapter of Revelation is significance. It is the signature, we might say, of the church. We saw that in the fourth chapter. In the fourth chapter, we have a gorgeous picture of his throne, and surrounding the throne were 24 elders, verse 4. Around the throne were 24 elders sitting clothed in white garments and golden crowns on their heads. We saw also that elders represented the church. And wherever the elders are, there is the church. So you have a picture of the church gathered around the throne of God. Those 24 elders represented the 12 patriarchs in the Old Testament and the 12 apostles in the New Testament, showing them standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, and palm branches were in their hands. Now, who is this group? Is it another completely different group? The first group being the 144,000 Jews, which is really a symbolic number, meaning the complete number of God's people through the ages. So is this another group now that is not at all Jewish, that no one can number from every tribe, tongue, people, and nation, or is it the same group? Is the 144,000 mentioned in the first eight verses the same group that is mentioned here in verse 9 as a great multitude which no one can count from every tribe, every nation, people, and tongue standing around the throne and before the Lamb clothed in white garments and palm branches were in their hands. I think that is a very good, there we have a very good case that can be made that it is the latter. That is that the 144,000 and this innumerable throng in verse 9 comprise the same group, but from a different perspective. Notice, first of all, what this innumerable crowd is doing. They are standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, singing. That is exactly what the church was doing in chapter 4. Now, the 144,000, more than likely, represents the complete number of the church of God. The signature of the church is 12. The new Israel is the church in the New Testament. And here now, this innumerable throng of people is sitting around the throne, like in Revelation 4, and they are singing God's praises as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. But there is even a more important reason, and I think this is the clincher. 
there is a more important reason for believing that the 144,000, rather than being taken literally as Jews, means figuratively the complete number of God's people and that it is identical to this innumerable multitude in verse 9. Or else, here you have a vast multitude of people in verse 9 who are going to be saved from the devastation of Jerusalem, and they're not sealed. Now, John has made a clear point that the only people who are going to survive the judgment of God are those who are sealed. Then in verse 9 and following, you have a vast group of people that are saved, and they don't seem to be sealed. So how in the world can this innumerable throng of people be saved when the only thing that can save you from destruction is the seal of the living God? So it has to be the same number. Refer to the same group as those who are sealed because it is only the seal of God that will render you inaccessible to judgment. So, You have this innumerable throng of people, and it must be identified with 144,000 because a multitude that no man can number is a common description of the church in the Bible. And you'll remember this. In the Old Testament, it says that the people of God are more numerous than the stars in the sky and the sand of the seashore. Over and over throughout the Old Testament, the kind of language is distinctively used of the church. After these things, I looked, and behold, a great multitude, which no one could count from every nation, tribe, tongue, etc. Look at chapter 5 of Revelation, verse 9. And they sang a new song. Worthy are you to take the book, to break the seals, and to break the seals. For you were slain and purchased for God with your blood, men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. So you see the very language that describes this innumerable throng is a language that is descriptive of the church of God throughout Scripture. So here we have two figures representing one body from two different perspectives. That when God's judgment would fall on apostate Judaism in 70 AD, the only people who would survive are those who are sealed. And the only people who are sealed is the complete number of all of God's people, the complete number of the covenant community, and not one. Not even the smallest or the least significant will be left out. They will all be sealed. In Revelation 7-9, that number is transcultural, transracial, not confined to any one particular group like ethnic Jews. So the 144,000 points to the completed number of God's chosen people who will be saved When God's judgment falls and that mass multitude that no man can number from every tribe, tongue, people and nation referring to the same group refers to it in terms of its transnational, Catholic, international, translanguage, transethnical grouping. So the entire church of God, 
however you want to view it, either as the entire number of the people of God or the international flavor in the city of Jerusalem. Both those represent the same group. How many were there literally? Well, historian Josephus tells us, so we're not left to guess. Josephus, who was an eyewitness of the destruction of Jerusalem, who also sided with the Romans and was himself an apostate Jew, but he wrote two books that you can still buy today. One called The Antiquity of the Jews and the other called The Wars of the Jews, where we are given some numbers. He says there were 1,100,000 Jewish people who perished in the fall of Jerusalem in 70 A.D. And he said that the 92,000 Jews that were not killed were sold off as slaves all around the known world. The entire population was destroyed or it was depopulated. In fact, in the great Colosseum in Rome, actually right outside of the Colosseum, is the Arch of Titus. Now, Titus was the emperor who sent the Roman armies into Jerusalem to burn it to the ground and to destroy the temple. And when a great emperor won a victory in war, he would build an arch. And then he would have carved on it things that would remind others of his great victory. So on Titus' arch, you see the victorious Roman armies of Titus returning triumphantly, and they are carrying the spoils of the temple in Jerusalem. And there on the arch are the golden candlesticks, the table of showbread, and the various other things you have read about in your Bible are there inscribed on Titus' arch. They were brought back to Rome after Jerusalem was destroyed. And then... There is this marble beam that used to be over the door of the Colosseum where the emperors would enter in to watch the sporting events. And written on that beam are in so many words, this Colosseum was financed with gold from the Jerusalem temple and it was built by Jewish slaves. So the gold they took from the Jewish temple was what financed the Colosseum, and the people who built it were many of the slaves that were not butchered in Jerusalem. Now, how many Christians survived? Well, we have no record except to say this. (coughs) There is no record of any Christian perishing in the fall of Jerusalem. 1,100,000 Jews massacred. 97,000 sold into slavery, but not one record anywhere of a Christian perishing in Jerusalem's destruction. And the point is, only the sealed of God survived. The complete number of God's people in all of its totality, in all of its completeness, in all of its Catholicity and international character. Notice now the hymns that were sung. You have a uh, um, hymn song in verse 12, and there you see it is a time of joyous celebration. 
There were people in their white robes with palm branches in their hands. And the multitude are singing in verse 10 about Christ's atoning blood as the source of Christ's victory and salvation. Then in verse 12, you have the hymn of the angels, and you see that this hymn praises the Lord for the goal of creation and the goal of redemption, which is all God-centered praise. And that'll bring us to the end of our time today here on Abounding Grace with our teacher and pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. Thank you for joining us today. It's our hope and prayer that we've been able to encourage you in Christ and stimulate your walk in Him. To address questions, comments, prayer requests, or concerns, please call or write to us. We'd love to talk with you. 408-866-5607 is our phone number, 408 408- Eight six six five six zero seven. You're also welcome to visit our website. Drop us an email when you do. Reformedheritage.org. Real simple. Reformedheritage.org. A lot of information there about who we are. We would invite you again to stop by. Reformedheritage.org. Or if you're writing to us, the address is PMB Post Mailbox four zero two, and the address is fourteen eighty four Pollard Road. Los Gatos, California, 95032. That address can be found on our website, reformedheritage.org, or again, simply call 408-866-5607. Copies of today's program are just $5. Mention today's date, and we'll get a CD out to you. And please remember that we are listener-supported which means when you link arms with us financially, we're able to continue the ministry here on this station. It's a great way to study God's Word together, isn't it? And we'd love to continue to do so. Would you prayerfully consider how God might be leading you to partner with us? We'd love to hear from you. Again, won't you call 408-866-5607 or reformedheritage.org. Sunday services, by the way, if you'd like to join us, are 2 in the afternoon. We're located at Lone Hill Church, 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Directions can be found at our website, reformedheritage.org. Again, Sunday services are at 2 p.m. Further information can be found again at reformedheritage.org or by calling 408-866-5607. Thank you for joining us. Until next time, God bless. (music) 